Hello and welcome to Genealogy Adventures and thank you for sharing your Sunday with us. I'm Donya. I'm Brian. And we are here today to usher out the Black History Month and usher in um, Women's History Month. And in order to do that, we're doing that with an in-between thing. So today we're going to be talking about black hair <laughs> on a woman. <laughs> For women. Yeah, I'm so, going to say yeah. I, I don't have much. Oh, uh, that's okay. But you know... We, when black women have gone through so much, you know, throughout things, and this is not to knock anybody else or anything, but we, we really go through a lot. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you because in the course of, you know, doing some additional research for what we're going to talk about today, I was trying to see if there was any kind of regulations or prohibitions or laws about how black men wore their hair, and I didn't really None. see anything. None. Women. I actually it was women. did that too, and it's really it's, you, we're kindred, you guys. We 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 were separated at birth and years apart. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it, it's it's none, and and we actually we we carry the we carry so much on our shoulders as black women, and people think it's a, a game when we say that or when we talk about that, but it's actually it's it's a true statement. It's really, it's really a true statement, and people need to recognize it. So I'm really loving Women History, Women's History Month, mm -hmm. and we will be covering all women, all races, um, what we all have done in one way or another. So, so um, I guess while I would say that even in the modern era that black men's hair is as policed as black women's hair, for the time period we're talking about, that, that, that really wasn't. Right, that is very true. Now that that's true because in certain areas that what we're talking about is going to come in where it doesn't matter whether you're a male or a female, they had to do yeah. certain things. So I'm going to start it out by reading this little um, excerpt right here. Which one? Actually, before we do that, okay. Um, can we have the first video, please? Oh yes. So we just, one of the reasons why we're covering this topic is lately there's just been a lot of press coverage about black hair. Yes. So the video you're going to see is a very short video, kind of sets the stage. So that just kind of gives you, um, and that was really within just the last year, some of them were 2019, but that, that just gives you a, a smattering. Believe We could have done like a 10-minute video. And it could've, we could have done an hour video, <laughs> and it really would have showed a lot of different things. But um, And one of the things that we were chatting about yesterday is it's really frustrating when you know something and you try to go back and you try to find the verified, certified sources where you got the information. And you, and can't, you can't find, find it because we were trying to find the actual evolution on a timeline as to when black hair got pleased. Right. And I started with Virginia because I know that Virginia did have codes about how black women had to do their hair. We thought it was a 1705 Virginia black code. But it wasn't. But it wasn't 
that one. Not that one. But I do know that enslaved women had, and free women of color, had to, had had to, to cover their hair. They had to cover their hair. But then we found this. We found that. And, and we, this says, one symbolic function of the head wrap was to maintain Southern white power in a society based economically and socially on racial slavery. Noteworthy in this respect are the ordinances which regulated African-American dress throughout the South during the 18th century. In, in effect, whites used this dress, these dress codes to outwardly distinguish those without power from those who held it. The earliest South Carolina Negro Act of 1735 specifically set a standard of dress for the enslaved and free African Americans. In, 1740, amend, in 1740 amendments, South Carolina slave codes further elaborated the dress regulations. In 1786, while Louisiana was a Spanish colony, the governor enacted a dress code which forbade females of color to wear plumes or jewelry. This law specifically required their hair bound in a kerchief. So a lot of this actually came... Sorry. Sorry about that. A lot of this came from... I think it was a PhD student called L.J. Wares who did a dissertation called Dress of the African-American Women in Slavery and Freedom, 1500 to 1935, dissertation for Purdue University. Right. Now, so I, that, was, that was really the first, 1735 was the first solid year. Yeah. Because Louisiana would follow a little bit later after that. Right. The thing that got me, though, is that when we were trying to do the search for Virginia, everything for Virginia was stating that the choices that we actually had a choice. I need to be clear. Black people didn't have a choice to do anything back then. I don't, I really, even the free people of color, because even the free people of color had to have a, um, what is, what is the word I'm looking for? Oh, is that for the lawsuits? Just in general. They had to, they had to have a, a, Someone to, to be there. Free people of color were kind of classed like they were minor white children. Yeah. So they needed to have a white kind of guardian. Guardian. That's the word I was looking for. They mm-hmm. had to have a guardian. So with that being said, no one, no person of color had an overall choice. Well, this is going to blow your mind. Mm. I assume that free people of color had American citizenship like everyone else. They did not. They weren't American citizens. No. They were free. They were paying taxes. They owned land. They did businesses. They still were not legally classed as American citizens. Yes. That blew my mind. Yes, yes. So today's show, is we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about and how it still goes on today. We're going to talk about discuss how even now, now there are states that actually have to mandate the fact that I can wear my hair in braids and not worry about me losing a job or even being denied a job because I have my hair in these braids. You know, and if basically what we're talking about is genetics and biology. Yes. So, and by that I mean black hair will never be white hair. Never. You can't you can't apply white standards of hair presentation to people of African descent whose no. hair is largely different just in terms of the fact that it's fragile, easily breaks, drier. It's just texturally different. We have to care for it in a in a different way. Right. Um 
and we style it in a different way. And a lot of the African styles that we see today, and they would have recognized back in the 1800s and the 1700s, were carryovers from Africa. Right. Which they did to protect, literally protect their hair. There was one thing that we um, that I was reading yesterday when we were doing the research on this, when they were talking about the, the Tignongs from um, Louisiana. These women were purposely wearing these beautiful wraps. Actually, can you throw the, um, the second video up? It's on the second video? It's on the second video. Okay, yeah. I want you guys to take a look at this. Fabrics. I love the defiance. Yes, and and it was a it was a silent defiance. Yeah, you know if they didn't catch it, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> if they didn't catch it, oh well. So now yeah. we're at the point, you know, where we have these things going on, and and we're and we're we're trying to figure out where we stand today, as far as our hair. And and how we how we look, and just all of that. And I'm I'm trying I'm I'm at a point where I'd like to hear from you guys to figure out how do you feel about these things these these laws that's being passed. Do you think that these laws should be passed just so that we can wear our hair the way that we do? No one comes to anybody of any other race and complains about what their hair looks like be it male or female. Do you think it's a matter of the, especially after the civil civil rights, I would say from the 70s onward, that black people have owned their own hair and they're proud to wear the hair however we want to wear our hair. Because um. I'm thinking my, thinking my father's era, he was born in the, the earliest 30s, as was my mother, so they still had that idea of European style of 
hair that still kind of influenced them in, in terms of hair presentation. And it was, a different, it was a different generation. Men were expected to have short hair. They weren't expecting you know, men back, by and large back then, didn't have long hair. So there wasn't really corn, there wasn't really rowing or braiding or, or anything. So this was like 40s, early 40s? 30s and 40s. 30s and 40s, In okay. In 50s, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just, you know, thinking about that era, men wore suits, or, you know, if you're working on a farm, you know, you had your, your farm gear, but there was, only, there was a uniform. Okay. Whether they, you know, whether you were a manual worker, farm worker, office worker, whatever. Things didn't really kind of liberate until after the 70s, because I can't really remember, I might have seen a, a like, Afro-style natural hair in the late 60s, but I, well, O'Hara. Or her from Star Trek. Well, the thing is, is that you Rocked said things it. started to, to liberate. The thing is, is that even with the liberation, there still had to be something done or said. When you think about Marvin Gaye and his song, What's Going On? He talks about the fact in the song, it actually says, you know, you got a problem with the way my hair is. He says it in his song. I, you have a problem just because I wear my hair long or because I wear my hair this way. So mm -hmm. it was still an issue. It's literally always been an issue. There's so many things, so many times where people have brought these kinds of things to the attention. So when we think now in 2020, these different states that have to actually come out and say, you, you can do what you want to do. I'm giving you permission. How does that make a person feel? Well, because I commented on that on my Facebook timeline. <clears throat> and I think most people got it. Some people didn't. I had to have side conversations. Because my comment to that was the fact that California, I think New York, New Jersey is talking about doing its version of the law. City of Baltimore is talking about doing it, its version of the, the Crown Act. Mm -hmm. you know, basically legally saying you can't be discriminated based on how you wear your hair. It just seems crazy. Right. And then does this, so is Texas one of those places that did it? They're talking about it. Okay, so Texas is Oh, no, they, they might have actually, they might have actually passed something. See, because Texas has the Six Flags. Yes. And I don't know if you guys knows that, know this, but Six Flags of America, they have it in their handbook that you cannot have locks. Now, my daughter has absolutely beautiful locks her locks go down her back um but when she first started to grow her locks they were about right here they were kind of short and um she had to wear a wig when she worked there i thought that was the most disrespectful thing in the world because <clears throat> i asked you was that a health and safety thing because i was thinking six flags you know dangerous machinery hair long hair could just get caught up so i remember specifically asking you was her prohibition against braids ponytails, no. long hair, no. no, it was just locks. No and prohibition, I, just, just locks. And I remember what I was going to say about the Facebook feed. Um, the thing was, I said the fact that states and cities have to pass this, these laws, to me, that's not progress. Mm -hmm. That's just, that's it's just ridiculous. sad. Because it really does show how messed up America is mm -hmm. on, the, on the subject of race. Mm -hmm. You can't, you know, to apply a standard of I don't know what do you want to call it. What do you call it? Do you call it beauty or what? What presentation? Physical presentation? Well, I mean, you just That's said not, to to apply a standard of beauty. So, with that being said, I don't even know what to call it. Like presentation or it is a standard of beauty, but just using that, I mean, they've always applied a standard of beauty. There's a certain way 
that you're supposed to look. Period. Our, our, our young girls go through this all the time, white and black. Mm -hmm. They all go through, all of all race, of all nationalities, you're supposed to look a certain way in order for you to pass in this society. You should be slim or thin, and you should not have this or not have, you should have that. or It's always something. First and foremost, brown and black people are very curvaceous folks. Mm -hmm. We have always been very curvaceous we're not gonna be thin well they actually are based on cultures that prefer their women to be curvy right because that the curviness is a sign of prosperity and wealth and that was important to black and brown community you know to be able to physically display i ain't starving i'm not hungry i'm not hungry (laughs) look at my head you know look at how intricate it is that's right that's so it right. wasn't necessarily about having a 30-room mansion. It wasn't about having the latest It was about you know, looking healthy, yeah. feeling healthy, portraying health, everything. It wasn't about the money, money like that. The money showed that I could take care of myself. myself. Yeah. That's what it was. So we do have some, you know, we have some women up on our on our panel today. We want you guys to definitely come out, give your ideas, give your give your questions. Let us know how you feel about it because I'm I'm at a, I'm at a loss. Like the most recent, that most recent post of the well, man. That's the reason why we're doing this show today because we weren't we weren't <laughs> going to tackle this topic. We were going to do a different Ooh. show. Ooh. But Donnie's going to explain when this crazy news story out of Oklahoma broke on Friday. Ooh. I think it was. And... Yeah. So okay. <laughs> Basically. Um, a man from Oklahoma, a college representative from Oklahoma City, Christian community or Christian school, university, Christian university, mm-hmm. um, went to a school called oh, a I preparatory know. school. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say it's a preparatory school. And when he was at the school, I don't know why he wanted to play this game. It doesn't state. Um, so I'm, I'm not really sure. But he wanted them to do this game to get all of the people to line who could line up the fastest. Those with who was first? Not the nappy hair. No, he had them line up by race first. First, yeah, he had them line up the darkest person to the back and the lightest person to the front. Let me see who's going to you know line up the the quickest. Then he had them shuffle again. These are eleventh and twelfth graders he was talking to. Then he had them shuffle again and say, from the nappiest hair to the not nappiest hair. Now, y'all know me. Y'all know me. (laughs) That would not have ended well at all. The problem, the biggest issue with it is the school did not let anybody know about it. They didn't let the media know. They didn't tell anybody. The kids had to let the media know. And even worse than that, there were teachers in the auditorium. Right. Some of whom left, left out crying. crying. They just so, left the kids in the school, in the auditorium with this man, and he left, they left out crying. Because my point to that was, well, what are you teaching those kids? First of all, you're now leaving them defenseless to, uh, to respond mm. to an outrageous, and I'm, I'm going to use that word, an absolutely outrageous request framed as a game. Right. 
the students must have been confused. God, only, you know, God only knows what was going through their heads at the time. You see your elders who are supposed to be there protecting you, leaving in tears. And the ones who are still in the auditorium, they're not they're saying not anything. They're not saying anything. Because it was, was, if it was me, if I was one of the teachers, I would have kept my cool and I wouldn't, mm. have, I wouldn't have cursed or used, you know how hard that is for me. Mm. Um, I'm just going to drink would, my Pepsi. You're going to drink your Pepsi. I would have kept my cool, but I would have looked at him and said, you have five minutes to pack your stuff and get out. And I would have gone to the school administrators and I would have explained, but more importantly, I would have sat, because I'm, I'm an academic and I believe in teaching, teaching moments, teachable moments, mm -hmm. to sit the students down in the auditorium while they're still there and while it's still fresh and just start, start dissecting it. And I would explain why I did what I did and why I felt that it was completely inappropriate. Yeah, that's why I'm not a teacher. I'm a parent. <laughs> and I, I would have been a mommy up in there, losing my mind, probably snatching the man. But let's be clear, he was fired. He was fired from the school immediately. But the principal, because the even the newspaper, even the news station that heard about it through the kids, because I want to say this, the kids did understand. Because they were the ones that was reporting it. They were the ones that was saying it. They were like, okay, I could see through his BS immediately. One of the students said that. The other student that was talking about the teachers crying, she was like, I'm sure they said something after the fact. So she's under the impression that they said something to him after it was done. She's hoping that. That, that was her whole thought process. I, I'm, I, I applaud those babies for being able to do that. But that was not their place. It wasn't their place to do that. It wasn't at all their place to do that. As an adult, as a parent, and personally, I can honestly say not one of my teachers when I was in school would have allowed anything like that. They would not have allowed it. He would not have been there. And then for the principal to come out and say, oh, yeah, it really did happen because this is what he had to say to the Channel 4 News in Oklahoma, say, yeah, it did happen. And for him to come out and say, yeah, it really did happen, but we don't condone it. Guess what? You do condone it because not one of you stepped up. Not one of you said anything. Not one of you. Okay, I'm, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> Now, one of you did a thing. You didn't, you, didn't, you didn't support those children. You didn't support those babies. They're kids. They're, they're children first. And, and, and that's the problem. Which is like going back to 1735 in South Carolina and 1786 in Louisiana when it had its, um, I always mispronounce it, Tingon law, yeah. laws. Yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's just going back. It's no. backwards. Everything is going back. Karen Bertram said, this is a situation, this situation is like others in which schools are trying to get kids to cut off dreadlocks, et cetera, in order to be in the dress code. Very biased and irritating. That's what we're talking about, Karen. It is. Like the young man who won't be able to walk in Texas because mm -hmm. his locks are too long. Well, okay. I don't know if Mennonites or Pennsylvania Dutch go to public schools or whether they go to their own schools, but could you imagine the furore if, because, you know, they have to wear hats and hair coverings and mm -hmm. all the rest of it, if they went to school and they were told, well, you have to take that off because that, that violates our dress code, there would be a furore, national furore about okay, it. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's look at that. 
would there be a problem with it if it was based on religion? For Muslims, yes. For everyone else, I honestly don't know. Because Muslims are going through that too at the moment about being able to cover hair and wearing hijab and all okay. of that. So there again, but again, you're talking about a brown people. Yeah. You're talking about non-Catholic, sorry, non-Christian, non-Christian brown, brown people. Okay. Okay. So kind of half of one and six dozen six, of the other. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I guess my whole thing is as far as this whole this, I I just I don't find it to be fair that you have to actually set a law. Well, my question is, at what point does America as a country wake up and realize? Mm -hmm. That's a it doesn't question. It doesn't work. Trying to apply European style of anything on people who are not European has never worked. In the entirety of the history of this country, it has never worked. They tried it with Native Americans. They did that to Native Americans up to the 1930s, sending them off, you know, taking kids away from their parents, putting them in Native American schools, chopping off their hair, forbidding them from speaking their language or having anything to do with their culture. They did it to Africans. That was another reason why they policed hair. They're like, uh-uh, you're still getting too comfortable. There's still too much African. African freaks people out. And to, I don't know why. I honestly don't know why. Like I said, it has not for two, almost 300 years, it hasn't changed. And at what point does this country get it and get that it will never, ever work? And actually, it should be celebrated. One of the things that I enjoy talking about when I give my kind of conference discussions about DNA is I remind people that human beings were nearly wiped off the face of this earth four times. That's true. Four times. That's true. So when you think about the diversity that we have as a species, when you think about probably the diversity that was lost for all time, and then think about the diversity that we have with the few human survivors that, that survived each one each of those one four, of those four. Yeah. it is amazing that we have the, different, you know, the, the differences. The, you know, just cultures alone. Yeah. So Karen says, the boy who has dreads and was told he could not graduate came to a forum meeting with his parents who said it was their religion from Jamaica to wear dreads. And I think I do remember that. And then Martha said that the ACLU has been involved in dress hair code violations in schools several times. But see, that's, the, that, that's what Brian and I are talking about. Why are we wasting our time on something as non-trivial as what my hair looks like when we have so much other stuff that's going on in this world that is so much more important. Now again, I ran a record label and I appreciate that that's a, you know, in the creative industries and in the music industry, you see everything. <laughs> you literally see everything. But I had to hire a senior manager for the, for our, for our rock, our hard rock music division. Mm -hmm. So out of all of the candidates, one stood out with her, with her CV. It was very unusual to have a woman as a singer exec handling rock music, especially at that time. So she came in. She had, I can only describe it as a neon aquamarine mohawk. Mohawk. Wow. That puppy was like two to three <laughs> foot, if it was anything. Um, and she was white. 
My business partner had an issue with it. He felt that she didn't look appropriate for a mid-ranking level executive. I'm like, well, she's handling rock, rock bands. bands. <laughs> she's perfect for this. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you know, when she was, you know, she got the job, I, I'm proud to say. Um, and yeah, it was noticeable. That was one of the first things you, you know, you would always push. You know, she was a, she was a pretty tall woman, so you just she just stood out and you just noticed her. But after a while, for me at least, after about two weeks. Didn't notice it. You, you paid it no attention. No because attention. it was a part of who her. she was. Yeah. And the bottom line was is that her hair didn't get the job she did. Mm -hmm. And her, her credentials got her the job and what she could do. And she proved her worth. Exactly. So her hair had nothing to do with her proving her worth. Honey, I was like, if that, if that aquamarine neon kind of mohawk is... If it pushes you, baby, is, then let it push. It's bringing those pounds <laughs> and pence into my bank account. Bring it. That's Keep right. it. Grow it. Yes. Make it six foot if that's yes. going to make you twice as productive. I mean, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me that constantly have to fight for something like this to, to be, to have to, to deal with something like this. It's actually, it's very sad. And now, you know, my daughter, she works at a very um, progressive place. You know, she's, they, they had, when they, when they get a deal, <laughs> when they, when they sign a big contract, they 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 theme stuff. Like this last contract that they signed, they did the 300 theme. And they're in there doing the woo, woo, you know, just <laughs> all of that stuff. So it's such an open place. It's very open. And she's looking around like, where, where, have, I have, where have I stepped into? But because she's there, they're not looking at her hair. They're not, they're not worried about her hair because her hair is not what's doing the job. Her hair is not what's making her be on the um, leaderboard two months in a row. You know, her hair is not the reason why she's able to constantly get that stuff answered that she has to get answered via email or chat or whatever. These things, she it's not her hair that's doing it. It's her. Yep. So why is this a problem? Why do we have to keep going through this? But before I forget, and this is coming from a book called oh, what, Enslaved Women in America, an Encyclopedia uh, by Diana Ramey Berry. So in her book, she actually, um, this is the catch-22. We, we can never win. Mm. The, the deck is always stacked against minorities and pe you know, marginalized people. So in her book, she talks about the history of Black women, part of what she's talking about is black women in their hair. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, when most people, you know, most of the women were African and not African, Africans mixed with something else, they were considered exotic. And I guess the white men went weak at the knees and the white women were like, oh, hell no, you have to cover your hair because that just has too much powerful magical mojo for, right, for right, my husband right, or my right. brother to resist. Oh. And then she goes on to say that as the races mixed, and enslaved, some of the enslaved women became lighter in complexion and their hair texture changed and became more European looking, for lack of a better word. White women still weren't happy. They're like, nope, sorry, now you really are a competition for me, so you absolutely have to cover your hair. Yeah, or cut it bald. Or cut it bald, which is, they did as a form of which punishment. Which is what they did as a form of punishment. I forget what book that we read that in. Yeah. It's one of these. That but. was one of the other books that we read it in. They cut their hair bald, and I'm trying to not allow my medicine mm -hmm. to take over. 
Um, I'll, summar- <laughs> I'll summarize that diplomatically. You, could, you couldn't win for losing. Yes. And always remember, <clears throat> and again, this isn't ignoring what free women of color had to go through. An enslaved woman couldn't defend herself, couldn't advocate for herself, couldn't speak for herself. Her man, if she had one, also was powerless. Could not speak. He couldn't, speak, he couldn't, he couldn't do anything. You couldn't raise your voice. Right. You couldn't raise your hand. Right. You couldn't argue back. Right. You couldn't be smart. Exactly. Because that was going to get you a whooping. Right. Um, you were going to get your lashes. So, I mean, when we were looking, doing the research, it's so it's 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 really amazing to me how history is being rewritten. Because when we were looking for that stuff for Virginia, that was a Virginia encyclopedia that I found in there where they were actually making these comments as if we had the choice. Mm-hmm. This was in a Virginia, this was an encyclopedia. They're like, oh yeah, they, you know, they would just get a couple of kerchiefs. They would ask their monster, their mistress for yeah. a couple of kerchiefs. It was crazy. I'm reading this them. like, this was, this doesn't make any sense. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't even, it, it doesn't even compute like for me to, to, to say that, oh yeah, back in that time period, we had a choice to do certain things. No. What? That's like, <laughs> like that's like saying slaves were servants. <laughs> but I will we were tell indentured. You, yeah. But I e- will tell you <laughs> and this were I don't know why I have such a negative, adverse reaction to this description of black hair. Because I was reading I was seeing it a lot when we were doing more research on this. Wool. All those old all those Antiquarian, There's a reason for that. But all these antiquarian historians in like 1600s, 1700s talking about black wool. That just jacks my jaw. But you know, that's in the Bible. That's one of the descriptions of Jesus Christ oh, himself. yeah, that's true. So they say he true. had feet of bronze and hair of wool. Well, that doesn't look like any Jesus I've ever seen in oh, the no, church. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. That's another subject for that's another show. That's another subject for another show. But <laughs> nevertheless... I didn't... I forgot. Yeah, you are right. I yeah. completely forgot about yeah. that. That's what there. That's in the Bible. Now, I, I can't tell you where that is in the Bible, but I, I, do know some, I do know some stuff. And that's in the Bible. And the, yeah, feet of bronze... Hair of wool. That's their description. This is where they come with the black Jesus thing and that Jesus was actually black when you, you know, follow into all of that. But again, like you said, that's a different discussion. Mm-hmm. And But that's where the hair of wool comes from. And just trying to look at this from a practical point of view. So if there was an objection to... I mean, I haven't really read, read what there were, but it, there was an objection to black women back in the day in the 1700s and 1800s rowing their hair or doing whatever. 150, 175, 200 years later, why, did, why would anyone think that, oh, well, we could, let's try that again. Let's put those prohibitions on black people's hair again. That's because it didn't, it didn't work the last time. Maybe, maybe we might get lucky this time. But that's, that's, that, that's, that's a repetitiveness of history. I mean, that's just what it is. But to me, I don't even find this as a repetitiveness of history. This never stopped, in my yeah. opinion. It never stopped. It never, it never, it, it, it's been ongoing. This is an ongoing thing. 
You know, this is not something that it's going to wait for a while, like with the name change of African-Americans. Now we're African-Americans. You know, back in the day, we were Negroes, and then we were co- or we were colored. We mm. really, you know, it's always... A, it, but I always want to point out those were never names we came up with for ourselves. Never names we came up with for ourselves. Always changing in the sense it's every 20 or 40 years or whatever. It always changed. Lately, I've been hearing that it's now going to change to POC, people of color. So, but has because again, we you know, we say this many, many times black people are not a monolith, black Americans are not a monolith, we are not just one group of people, we are communities of black people. Have any of those communities been us? Well, what would you like to be called? See, but the thing is, is that they're not going to do that because if you're if you're going to look at the sense what the census is for. The census is supposed to be able to count each individual community and figure out how to disperse money out that way. So if you have all these different names, then the money is dispersing in different areas. Yeah, but you have Irish-American, Italian-American, Polish-American, German-American. We only have one, black. So what if you're, I can't even say caribbean American, because you know the Caribbean community has subcommunities within itself. But look at the different groups of community, black communities we have: African, Caribbean, Latin American. And again, yet Latin, they all put it all together as African American. And then you know, obviously, African Americans whose ancestry has been deep in this country, going back all the way to the beginning, and we're all lumped together. Yeah. You know, and those are d- different communities with different histories, and perhaps even different, you know, different needs as a as a community. Yeah, it, it's it's just a lot. Elizabeth, we're, we're kind of going off of what we were talking about. That <laughs> um, Elizabeth said, "I think that part of the problem is what is what is deemed acceptable is based on a non African American standard, which is what we were saying. As soon as brown skinned people." wear dreads or natural hairstyles, it seems to be a problem. We should not have to put chemicals in our hair or wear wigs to be considered appropriate in a work or educational environment. And I agree. I mean, I, I, I just, I agree. Um, I think that it's, it's really ridiculous that we have to go through what we go through in order for stuff to work. It's crazy. And maybe we need to move away from... And I'm even getting this from younger generations of European Americans. We need to rethink about what is professional appearance. Right. And my, my friend from school, Cindy, gave us the, uh, the scripture. It's Daniel 7, verse 9. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Because <laughs> I didn't know where the scripture was, but I know it definitely existed. <laughs> Um, but as far as the hair is concerned, you know, I, 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 I have, I, in my family, my mom has the most beautiful hair. Her hair is absolutely gorgeous as very, very curly, but straight. Now she has locks. So her locks are curled up, but straight. And you can still see the, the prettiness in her hair. You can still see it. My daughter has very beautiful hair, but my daughter's hair is thicker than my mom's. So it's not as pretty as my mother's. My sister has beautiful hair. Me, I got the straight naps. Like, and you'll never see my hair. (laughs) Because I don't want to do it. Because it takes too much work. It's a lot of work. 
But everybody does their own thing because they want it. This is the way that will allow them to go forward and, and, and move faster. I do so much stuff, you guys, that wearing braids is easiest for me. I don't have to worry about getting up when I get up in the morning. Y'all, I get up 3.30 in the morning and I'm moving. From the moment I wake up, I'm moving. I'm not about to sit and do my hair. Natural hair is a very hard thing to take care of, and I don't have the time to take care of it. See, now, my sister didn't have that, but there is a scene in the movie, The Color Purple, where Whoopi Goldberg's character, Celie, is combing that baby's hair. (laughs) I remember so many of my female cousins going through that pain. Yes. When I was growing up. I didn't because, have that pain, so I guess I don't have a real bad nap. So I didn't have it like that. But, but yeah. I just remember Sunday after, you know, when we were visiting down in D.C., coming down from Connecticut, I remember my grandma, you know, whether it was my aunties or my grandmother sitting there with the little girls on a Sunday, on an afternoon, while they're watching something on television, and they had that hot comb. Mm-hmm. Now that I just remember. Just going through it. Yeah, I remember the burns on the ears and the grease popping and the comb just feeling like it's right there. And you sitting there <laughs> and in the window. And yes, I remember all of them. And those things I definitely, God knows, I remember the heat that came from that comb. But yeah, I mean, you know, everything had its own, but it was. But you know, this is going to be really unusually cynical for me. That considering the context of the show and what we've discussed. All of that pain and torture, and you've talked about the toxic chemicals that black women have to put on their hair, well, not have to, but put on their hair um, to relax it or to, to do whatever with it, is to achieve a standard that isn't ours, and it's never going to be good enough. Never. It's never going to be good That's enough. That's the bottom line. Even if we do get to that point, okay, we're going to do everything that you're asking, it still doesn't work. It's still, it's, still not the, it's still not the right thing. I love who I am. I love my braids, and I'm proud of my braids, and I will wear my braids. Matter of fact, my children have already been told that when I leave this earth, my hair better be braided. <laughs> that's, that's what that is supposed to be, because that's who I am. My hair better be braided. And, and again, I, I don't think, I wish there was a better understanding of African genetics by, non, by both Africans and non-Africans, meaning... Africans, African-descended people are the most diverse. Genetically speaking, we are the most diverse people. Africans back in Africa are the most di- genetically differentiated group of people on the planet. There are thousands of cultures. Yes. Don't like calling them tribes. There are thousands of different cultures, thousands of different African ethnicities, which means you're going to have different hair textures, even amongst Africans. Mm-hmm. So again even by African standards of beauty, there are many different, they celebrate many different kinds of But even of in Africa, and and I'm just going by stuff that, that I've read, they have to go through the, the, the problem of bleaching their skin because mm. they're darker. So they're trying, they, they, that's a big thing in Africa from what I've read. I would never bleach my skin. Yeah, it's a holdover from colonialism, I'm afraid. Because yeah. a, lot, a lot of their, I guess... There was a certain period of time when their TV, when black people on television in Africa wore had a, had a lighter complexion. But that's again, that's another standard of beauty that we have to try to, you know, match in order for us to make us feel like we're we are doing we're getting 
to a certain point. And I don't, I'm, I'm pretty. I mean, my skin, not me. I don't, I'm not going to say that about me, but I, my skin, I have beautiful skin. I'm, I'm at, I'm almost, I can sit here proudly and say that I'm almost 50 years old and I have 23 year old boys that try to talk. I'm sorry. They are men. <laughs> but I have 23-year-old men that try to talk to me. They boys to me, but the, nevertheless, I do. I have that because they're looking at me like you are not almost 50. Stop lying. My daughter is older than you. So I, I like I like my skin. Obviously, there's something about me and my skin that makes things good. So why would I mess it up? Why would I why would why would I change it? I don't want to change. You shouldn't have to. Like I said, yeah. I guess the other question that I have, I'm just great for these rhetorical questions. Why try to fight a, bat a losing battle? We are not the black people that existed a couple of generations ago, and that's no disrespect to them because they certainly stood up. Look at the, look at the women who, you know, from the 1700s, the, the pictures that we showed. Yes. Defiant. They were defiant. But we're openly defiant. They were quietly, respectfully defiant. Right. And I mean, that's the like part just, that's missed. I want to tell 50% of America, you ain't going to win this fight. You're not, and it's not a fight that we should be having. There's so many other real issues right. that we should be addressing right. and challenging and trying to fix. You really want to pick a fight over black hair? Over my we hair. We really have the time to spend. The environment's going, going crazy. Yeah. Everything's going crazy, but you want to pick a fight about how black people can wear their hair. Right. I think it's ridiculous. I think I do. I think it's ridiculous. I think that um I think it's crazy that that we have we have to go through those types of things. Um And the article that you didn't even want to mention. And I'm I'm my mind is still reeling. Again again without wanting to pick on the state of Texas. That crazy story of a high school boy who was told to either cut his dread, cut his locks, or he had to cut, he, this is the truth, he had to either chop his locks off or come to school in a dress and tell everyone he was a girl. When I tell y'all I'm gonna let my medicine work right now, and when I tell y'all I would have smacked fire from that principal, he would have, I would have smacked fire from that principal. But the way he said it, even when he was being interviewed, he made it sound like he had said the most rational thing that a human being could possibly say. I would have smacked fire from that principle. Even when his locks were tied up, not in a man bun, but you know, tied up just, on the back of his head. Just tied up in the back of his head. Nope. I would have smacked fire from that principle. I'm letting y'all know that now. I'm just saying. You know, the one, I'm just saying. I would have smacked fire from that principle. The stories that were kicking around last year about professional black women who were either interviewing for a new job or interviewing for a promotion who were denied because of their hair. Because of their hair. It's just, it's a lot. You know, we, we go through so much and it's, 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 it's an unnecessary thing. And I'm telling you, I would, yeah, that, that's the one thing that I would have smacked fire from that principle. I'm just keeping it real. Y'all know how I am, and I'm just keeping it real. I would have smacked complete and total fire from that principal. He would have just had steam just coming mm -hmm. from everywhere. That's how that would have been. 
it's no way in the world that I would allow that to happen. And I mean, I, I'm 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 that mother. I'm so mm-hmm. protective over my children. I'm protective over your children. Let's be clear. Yeah. Well, that leads me to the other one. I was more I was really disappointed with in this one where this story broke. You know, it was the young wrestler from New Jersey oh. who wasn't who would who literally in front of everyone. They just cut that baby's cut head. And there wasn't one person that stood and that up. and that auditorium was packed. It was packed. Not one person stood up to defend him or advocate for him. Where, How humiliating I mean, and embarrassing was was that experience? I mean, where are we as adults? Are we that afraid to lose? Because I was talking with one of my friends about this, and and he said he actually came. I was talking to him about the Oklahoma City thing, mm-hmm. and that's when he said, "Well, he was like, well, Donya, you know." People so afraid to lose their jobs nowadays and, and things of that nature. He said, but sometimes you got to lose stuff. And, and, and that's the thing. Sometimes you do. You got to lose stuff in order to understand it. Stop sitting up here telling me that you are not your ancestor. Your ancestor is 10 times stronger than you because your ancestor would have stood up and did something about this. They would not have allowed that to happen. So I'm going to tell you, I am my ancestor in every single way. But that's the importance of community. So let's keep, you know, keeping with the New Jersey boy um, example. Say a couple of people stood up and advocated for him. And they, one or both of them lost their jobs. That's where the community comes in. It's and they like, stopped you know paying what? the rent and making sure stuff mm-hmm. was taken care of for them. Boycotting. Boycotting. You know. What'd you say? Yeah, no. they don't they don't do it anymore. Honestly, we really should have had our producer up here, but then we would have no producer but running the show. That's true. That's true. That was that's was, true. That was nineteen eighty eight, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But that's when, you know, they, I can remember my mom telling me about rent parties and, and things of that nature and trying to, you know, make sure people continue to move so they wouldn't lose things and they wouldn't, you know, we don't stand up like that. Where is the spirit of Alabama, Montgomery, the bus, the bus strike? Just stop telling me. Stop yeah, telling whole, me that you're not your ancestor. The stop. whole community turned out. People were offering, you know, when they boycotted the buses, people, you know, people who had cars were carpooling people in and out, you know, in and out of Montgomery. That's work. right. Hotel, sorry, not hotel, cafe owners and um, what are they called? Diner. Diner owners were bringing food out. Yeah. And feeding people. And feeding people. My, my grandmother was one that did that. Mm. Oh, cool. My grandmother did that. Back in the day, on the, when, here in the D.C. area, when you had the, um, the tro- when they had the trolleys and things of that nature, my grandmother and her and I think my two older aunts used to be on that trolley and they used to feed people, bring those sandwiches out and mm-hmm. just and feed people. She was such a great woman. She was such a great woman. Sounds like it. Yeah, she's right here. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, we just we just don't stand up like that no more. We don't have that backbone. We don't have that. I'm telling you. I'm I'm gonna stand up for any child. I'm I always have. I've done it. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm not just saying this because I'm standing or sitting in front of you guys right now while you're watching me. I've actually already done it. I've done it. I've done it several times at my children's school. My children's friends know if Miss Williams is here, we're safe. 
I give them a safe space. I give them a safe place. That's what an adult is supposed to do. That's what my mother did for every last one of my friends. This woman would feed whole groups of people on the weekends. If you bring the food, I'm cooking it. And that's what she would do. And I would have groups of people in my household and we would mm -hmm. just sit there and have cookouts every weekend, mm -hmm. all summer long. We were there. She she rented cars so we could travel to different amusement parks. I mean, she was that go-to parent that we could just do whatever it was that we need and make sure that we had what we had. This is why I am the way that I am. Because my mother... I saw this. This is what I was raised with. This is how I was reared. I know I wasn't the only person that was reared that way. That's a lie. I just know I wasn't. Yep. My siblings and I, we were all raised to speak out against injustice. Yeah, I mean, this is crazy. So why aren't we doing this now? Why, why is it such a hard thing to do? I'm going to tell you, I was on the bus. And all of you know, if you don't know, I'm letting you know now. My mother, I mean, I have an autistic son, and my son will be 21 years old today on, in June. God places me in, in situations where I get to see certain things. Well, one of the situations is that there are two autistic people that, go, that ride the bus with me every morning, every morning, and I see them on their way to work, and I talk with one of them all the time. And when, you know, and I'm always talking to her. She reminds me so much of my son that I'm almost, not almost, I'm very protective over her mm -hmm. and over the young man that sits in the back. He doesn't say anything to anybody. But one day, she was speaking. All she did was speak. All she was doing was saying hello. And nobody said anything. They didn't. They didn't, they didn't respond back. They just walked right past her as if she wasn't saying as in anything. This is a tax-paying, taking care of herself, driving her own car, having her own type of thing. She's doing better than a lot of these people out here. And you can't give her the courtesy of saying good morning. Uh, it's, it, yeah, nah, I don't know if it's not the culture of America. I think that people look at her because she's different. Point blank. There might be some of that. I'm going to go with... I'm going to also agree and say... Because I've, I've spent more of my life living out of the States than in the States. Mm -hmm. it's, it's also an American thing. I think it's crazy. Nevertheless, I went off. And I mean, the whole bus knew it because I said it loud enough because the medicine was kicking in that day. So, <laughs> the medicine kicked in that day. So I let everybody have it on that bus. Everybody that stepped on that bus that did not speak to that girl when she spoke, I went off. And I'm like, it is nothing wrong with you saying good morning, hello, how are you doing, nodding your head, something. An acknowledgement. Acknowledgement. Something. There is absolutely nothing wrong with it. And when I spoke with my wonderful mother, Juanita, she said they couldn't nod their head and, and say, hey, you know, that's what she said. So it's, not, it's nothing wrong with it. You disrespect. And I just lost it. I went off. 
And then I had one woman that kept looking at me and shaking her head, and I told her, you got one more time. <laughs> I was like, you got one more time. one more shake. One more shake for me, okay? But the bottom line is, you cannot, you have to, it's nothing wrong with speaking. Nothing. Nothing. So, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's who I am, and I'm, I'm going to continue to be her. And um, I'm happy to be her. I'm glad that I'm, I'm able to step up for other people. And I need for everybody else to step up for other people. Because, again, I'm going to paraphrase it badly. There is a very famous saying, they came for you, I said nothing. They came for you, I said nothing. I, they came for you, I said nothing. They came for me, there was no one to defend me. That's right. That's right. And that's been said so many different times. Emmett Till's mother. There was a reason why she allowed everybody to see her son like that. Mm -hmm. let's, let's just be clear. I love you too, Angie. <laughs> um, but that, there was a reason. There was a reason why Emmett Till allowed, his, his mom allowed that. Because she needed the world to see what they did to her baby. And not just what they did to her baby. The fact is that her baby could have been your baby. That's where we are today, y'all. This is our lifestyle. This is where we are today. We have to start standing up. Even if we start with our own little group that we are right now. Even if we, we begin here. We have to start standing up. We have to start paying it forward, yeah. so to speak. You know, don't allow these types of things to keep moving forward, to keep happening. If you see something bad going on, say something. Don't just not do anything. Even if these little bad children, I didn't curse, bad children don't want you to say nothing. Still stand there and, 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 and be there for them because we already know that the police are going to do some things that they ain't got no business mm -hmm. doing in so many instances. And I'm going to say, you know, before, as we wrap things up, because our time is rapidly coming yes. to a close. You know, one of the reasons why we're so passionate about this is we've done the depth of research on our families with the genealogy and the um, genetic genealogy and doing the paper trail. We know so many of our family history stories, yes. especially our enslaved family, yes. that this is personal for us anyway as people of color, as black people, but it's even deeper on a whole other level because yes. we can just see how for hundreds of years it's constantly happening it's constantly it's happening especially happening to you know the our female ancestors yes. so really enjoyed having this conversation with you yeah really enjoyed sharing our conversation with Without you yes i wish yay we, <laughs> and i wish we had an answer i wish i had a magic wand to wave and say black hair is going to be cool and everyone's going to be fine with it tomorrow but let's just keep chipping away. And as I said, you know, see something, say, say something. something. That's it's right. It's as easy as that. It's as easy as that. So thank you for sharing your Sunday with you, with yes. us. I'm Brian. I'm Danya. And we look out for more great women's history stuff this year, this for this month. And we'll see you next week. Yes. Bye, guys. <laughs>